The Tennis Gambling Podcast and the Sports Gambling Podcast are presented by Edge Boost. Edge Boost enables you to double your bet with no interest. Go to sportsgampodcast.com slash edge to get started today. We're also brought to you by Bird Dogs Shorts. The world's greatest shorts are hooking you up with a free Yeti-style tumbler when you order over at birddogs.com slash pool. That's birddogs.com slash pool. And welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast here on the Sports Gam Podcast Network. It is currently Friday, June 16th, and I am your host, Scott Rochelle, once again going solo for this pod. Should be a fun one, but a, bit of, but a bit of a short one. We do have four matches to go through because it is semifinal time in Stuttgart and in Denbosch. So looking forward to going through those four matches. But before we get into any of the previews, do want to recap how we did on the last episode. Overall, not good for the Lock and Dog picks. Went 0-2. Ended up losing with Barankas' money line against Dejir. Uh, Dejir historically had been brutal on grass, and Barankas was, I don't want to say a grass specialist, but he had looked pretty comfortable on grass leading up to this actual match. And then that didn't matter as Dejir beat him in straight sets. For the Dog, we had Husler winning in straight sets against Hichikata, which I was aware was a bit risky, but I did like the price in general for it. And it looked really good early because you ended up seeing... Uh, Husler win the first set 6-2, and it looked like for a little while he was going to potentially cruise to a nice, easy win. Then Hichikata came back and ended up winning the final two sets. The second set was very competitive. That was 7-5, so Husler had some chances but couldn't really convert and I feel like Hichikata just did a much better job of hitting passing shots against Husler, constantly charged the net, and he served better. But the point is, we had a shot there, didn't get there, though, so picked up an 0-2 day on the lock and dog picks. But for the outrights, overall, not too shabby. Uh, we had no quarter odds, so we had to just go straight with the outrights to win the event. And for those, we basically struck out in Denbosch. We mostly leaned into Medvedev. That didn't work out as he lost in his first matchup against Manorino. Close match. He won the first set. Anytime you get a top three guy in the world, top five guy in the world up a set, you assume you're in good shape. But Manorino wore him down and ended up winning that one in three. Even worse for us because Sinner ended up losing earlier on Friday to Rusevori. So the actual, I'd say... Uh, path or the overall bracket kind of opened up there, but it wasn't fortunate that Medvedev lost anyway, so it wasn't really close there. Took a fun flyer on Rayonich, uh, but that didn't work out as Thompson beat him in straight sets. So struck out in Denbosch, but we're actually looking pretty promising in Stuttgart, knock on wood. We're guaranteed to have one guy in the final because we gave out as our main two options, or I should say as our favorite two options, we gave out Hercatch as the favor, quote-unquote, and then we took a long shot on Struff at 25-1, to 1, and they're against each other in the semis. So once again, we will be having one finalist guaranteed. I'm hoping it's Struff, obviously, because he's 25-1, to 1, but the point is we are looking to cash an outright, and we will be having a, head, a heads-up matchup, basically, with our guy versus either Tiafo or Fuksovics for a shot to cash an outright ticket. So it could be worse. If one of those two guys wins, then we make profit on the whole week anyway. If Struff wins, then we're going to victory lap the whole thing. So hopefully Struff gets it done in his home country. But anyway, point is for outrights, overall decent. Anytime you're guaranteed a finalist, one at a pretty solid long shot price of 25 to 1, and the other being a solid price, though, uh, somewhere in you know the 5 or 10 to 1 range, you're in pretty good shape, so I can't complain too much, but it would have been a lot cooler if Medvedev ended up surviving, but it is what it is, and hopefully Struff uh, or Hercatch win 
their final match against Tiafo or Fuksovic. But anyway, that's it for the actual housekeeping. Now it is time to get into the... Actually, you know what? There's one more thing of housekeeping that I wanted to do. I feel like I've kind of enjoyed giving a bit of a news update stuff uh, with regard to tennis, uh, whether it involves some drama going on, whether it involves some injuries, etc. I know there's been a lot of comebacks recently on the either ATP Tour or Challenger Level Tour because we saw Rayonich come back, we saw Kyrgios come back, we saw uh Nishikori come back. We've seen a lot of guys. Chung came back about a week or two ago. The point is it is nice to see some of these guys who have been haven't exactly been around that much uh, for injury purposes and now they're finally back into the swing of things. I briefly just wanted to talk about Nishikori uh just because of the fact that he's so far looked really good in his challenger uh, comeback and he was able to come back from a set down against Kruger yesterday. So I don't really have much to over, to really just like say about the overall situation. I just wanted to at least bring it up and just say that I am happy to see Nishikori playing well after being off for a decent amount of time. Former top 10 guy, he was a runner-up in the U.S. Open once, but it is nice to see him succeed, and it is nice to see him come back and face some adversity against Kruger, who I know had some, I'd say, overall promise in U.S. tennis a while ago, a decade-plus ago, and then never really materialized. Still a pretty steady challenger guy, and the fact that Nishikori was able to come back from a set down is definitely a good sign especially in his first tournament since uh, 2021. So I wanted to mention Nishikori, who is still alive right now in his challenger event in Puerto Rico. So props to Nishikori for winning his first two matches, and hopefully he wins the tournament. It is definitely nice when he is able to uh, perform at a high level based on just how impressive he is as a player. And truth is, the footwork for Nishikori is really what separated him from some other guys, just based on the quickness, the consistency, and his ability to constantly set himself up to get his proper positioning and body weight under his shots, which result in such a crisp stroke that he has. So it is nice to see Nishikori play. Of course, he's not the same guy that he used to be, but he still looks definitely like he's going to be a potential threat to qualify maybe for the U.S. Open. So we'll see what happens. Of course, that's months down the road, but it is nice to see Nishikori back, and I wanted to briefly mention that. But either way, time to actually get into the matches for the Friday, uh, for the Saturday schedule. So starting off with the chronological order, uh, which we always do for this show, uh, you're going to be looking at just quickly seeing if each tournament starts at the same time. They've typically started around 5 a.m., each time, but with less matches, you might see a later start time for each tournament. So we actually do Stuttgart pushed it back about half an hour. So they're at 530 in the morning Eastern time. However, Denbosch did push it back to 830. So there is a three hour time difference in starts of the tournaments on Saturday's matches. Uh, but for the sake of the breakdown, we're going to start off with the earliest match, Tiafo against Fuksovics, which should be a fun match to look at the overall money line and spread. Tiafo money line is minus 150. Fuksovic's is plus 130. Uh, Tiafo's spread is minus 2. Fuksovic's spread is plus 2 at minus 115. So a little bit of juice to the uh, underdog there with the spread. The over-under is around 22.5. Over is minus 135. Under is plus 105. Or 23 flat. Minus 116 to the over. Minus 104 to the under. If you want to go for alternative games, Tiafo minus one and a half games is a minus 125. Vuksovic's plus one and a half games is minus 105. And if you want Tiafo to win in straight sets, you can get that at plus 160. The over-under for sets in the match is two and a half at plus 120 on the over. So looking at the actual head-to-head matches between these players, they faced off three times in their careers. Now, they were a while ago. They faced off in... 
2020 twice, and they faced off in 2018. Now, one of them was on clay. That was back in 2018, which Fuksovics won. And they faced off twice on hard court, one in the U.S. Open and one in Doha. Fuksovics won the one in Doha, but Tiafa won in straight sets pretty comfortably in the U.S. Open. But that was 2020. None of them were on grass. That really doesn't mean anything. Now, to go through the actual pathway for both players, Fuksovics has looked good, but a bit vulnerable at times. He went through qualifying, then beat Chapo in three sets, beat Yibbing in straight in uh sorry, beat Chapo in three sets, beat Yibbing in three sets, and then beat Fritz in an impressive win there in straight sets. As for Tiafo, he had a bit of an easier go of it. He did not have to go through qualifying, and I believe he had a bye. Actually, I don't know if did he have a bye? I think he might have had a bye, but the point is he's only had to play two matches, beat Leshika into the first round in straight sets and had a very fun match against Musetti uh, this past morning where he won in three with each of the first two sets going to tie breaks. So Tiafo had a bit more of a war in the quarters, but Musetti was playing very solid tennis. And I want to briefly just go through the actual stats here for Fritz because even though Fuksovics did play well, it did seem like Fritz was a little bit off and I wanted to at least discuss his overall stats there. Not trying to fully take away from everything that Fuksovics did, because in order for a player to lose, you still have to win. But looking at his overall numbers, Fritz ended up serving 63%, which is decent. Uh, He ended up winning 72% of his first serve points and 45% of his second serve points. So the second serve kind of let Fritz down. But the real story for the match was Fuksovics' first serve, because he won 84% of his first serve points. So Fritz really did not have a good go of it when it comes to returning. In fact, Fuksovics only faced one break point in the entire match, and you ended up seeing uh, Fuksovics hold. So Fritz never broke him. It is worth mentioning, though, that Fuksovics in the past has given Fritz some issues. Uh, he ended up losing in Indian Wells in straight sets. They faced off in Munich, though, and that went three with Fuksovics winning the first set that was on clay. And they faced off in Stuttgart, obviously, and Fuksovics won that one in straight sets. But the point is they faced off three times this year, so they were quite familiar with each other. And Fuksovics eventually got the best of them. Lost in straight sets, won a set, then won the match. He progressively got more competitive with Fritz in each match. And you saw him finally get over the finish line in that win. But for the sake of this overall match, I think Tiafo is the more talented player. Now, Fuksovics has looked very comfortable on grass so far in this event. Am I worried about fatigue for a guy that had to go through qualifying? It's not ideal, but I do think Tiafo once again, has just been playing some very solid tennis. Uh, Leshika is a pretty solid grass player because he has some serve and volley to his game, and that was a good match there. Uh, Musetti was also very competitive, but Musetti looked really good in that event, and Tiafo wore him down. I am going to lead to Tiafo in this match. I do think, though, you'll probably see a bit of a marathon here. So I am going to lead to the over 22 and a half games, and I will go with Tiafo to win. Probably on the minus one and a half games at minus one twenty-five. Uh, but looking at the at just the overall matchup, I think Tiafo is the better player, and I do think once again each guy is pretty good on grass. So you're looking at what should be a competitive matchup, but I do think Tiafo has a little bit more skill. And Fuksovics once again winning eighty-four percent of the first serve points, I don't think is going to be a thing once again. And I do think Tiafo, even though I acknowledge that he's a bit of a head case, he is still. Very talented, and he's got a lot of variety with the shots. I think you definitely keep Fuksovics off balance, and I do think Fuksovics at some point might blink. Plus, we know Fuksovics has had some physical issues over the last couple of years, so playing some tennis, a decent amount of it for the last couple of days, maybe he wears down physically. We'll see what happens, but I will go with Tiafa to get it done, and I will lean to the over in this match. Moving on to the late match, the match where 
we're rooting for Stroof, but in theory, even if her catch wins, we're not too upset about it. So looking at the actual lines for this match, her catch is the favorite at minus 140 on the money line. Stroof is plus 120 the other way. As for games, her catch minus one and a half games is minus 104. Stroof plus one and a half games is minus 116. Over-unders at 25 and a half. Uh, the, you can currently get that 25 and a half at minus 106. Uh, you can also get the under 25 and a half at minus 114. Fascinatingly, though, you can get 24 flat for a total at minus 125, and you can get the under at minus 105. So I'm not sure why anybody would actually take the 25 and a half instead of taking the 24. Uh, I, I guess the argument is you're trying to save 19 cents, but you also pick up an extra draw for a potential 7576 finish, but still. The point is, I find it weird that a game and a half separation for a total is only separated by 19 cents. That does seem a little bit weird. If you want to go for three sets in the match, you can get that at plus 110. I don't see any value on that. If you're going to end up taking the plus 110, I'd rather take the games because you can still win in two tie breaks. And I mentioned before the 7 6 7 5 scenario for the over 24. So I am going to go uh, looking at. Uh, I'm going to go with the over, just looking at this actual matchup. I think Stroop is pretty alive to win this. They faced off once in uh, the Davis Cup. That was roughly seven years ago, so it means nothing. And Stroop won that one in th- in straight sets, but I don't care. Once again, that was seven years ago. Now, her catch has looked pretty good. He was in trouble against Watanuki, and Watanuki had a bunch of aces, but her catch wore him down in a couple of tie breaks, and then he beat O'Connell in straight sets. Looking at Stroop, though, he had an easy match against Zhang, a competitive match against Tommy Paul, but he was actually 0 for against Paul and then beat him 7-6-7-6 in the second round. And then had a nice win against Gasquet. Gasquet was playing well. Now, Struff was pretty fortunate, and so were we, that Gasquet upset Tsitsipas, so he had an easier draw and matchup there in the quarters, but not his problem. Ended up beating Gasquet, and now, as a result, he's in the semis. But for the sake of this match, I think the value is going to be on Struff. I think that when you're looking at these two players, you're probably looking at a couple of breakers. And I do think, once again, Hercatch's movement is still not great. It's fine because he hits with enough power where he doesn't have to move around as much. But I do think Stroof, with his length and with Hercatch's length, you will see more returns get into play than you might think. And I do think, once again, Stroof has the actual serve and volley game, which Hercatch kind of has, but he really doesn't use it enough. But the point is, I really do like how Stroof has played, and Hercatch was on the ropes against Watanuki, and the fact that he was struggling to return against Watanuki isn't exactly ideal now that he's facing off against Stroof, who has a very big serve and a good volley game to back it up. I'm going to go with Stroof in this one. He's in his home country, so the home crowd should be definitely chanting for Stroof throughout this matchup. But I think, once again... You're looking at a very competitive matchup. I'm going to lean to the over. I'm going to take the games at 24, but I am going to go with Stroof on the money line. I think plus 120 is a very good price for what I think is a coin flip, and you have crowd support. So give me Stroof to get it done in potentially a war. Maybe you see three tie breaks. Maybe you see a straight set tie break win by Stroof. I don't see many breaks in this match. Not exactly a hot take, but I do think eventually Stroof will really just feed off of the crowd's energy in route to a bit of an upset win there. And moving on to Denbush, we're going to start off with the early match, which will be between uh, Thompson and Hichikata. So you have a battle between Australians in the semis here. Thompson is a pretty big favorite here at minus 230. You have Hichikata at plus 190. As for the games, Thompson minus 3 is minus 117. Hichikata plus 3 is minus 103. Over-under 
for the match here is 22 and a half. The over is minus 101. The under is minus 119. If you want to get it down a little bit, you can get 21 and a half at minus 130 on the over. And 21 and a half for the under is even money. If you want some alternative games, Thompson minus two and a half is minus 140. And Chikata plus two and a half is a plus 110. And if you want it to go three sets, you can get that at plus 145. If you want Thompson to win in straight sets, you can get that at plus 110. So looking at the actual head-to-head matches in their careers, they have faced off a couple of times, and Thompson is undefeated. Thompson is 2-0, and they actually did face off in grass earlier this year. In fact, exactly a week ago, they faced off on the 9th in a challenger event, and Thompson ended up beating him 7-6-6-2. So that might explain why Thompson is a pretty hefty favorite here, because he literally just beat this exact same opponent a week ago on grass. They also faced off earlier in 2023 on hard court, and Thompson won that one 6-4-6-4. Now, Thompson has been a good grass player for a while. Uh, he's not exactly an amazing player by, by any means in ATP standing. He's fine. I'd say he's a steady top 100 guy. Probably his ceiling is around, like, I'd say 50s, maybe, if everything clicks. But for the most part, he's a top 100 guy, which makes him a pretty solid challenger player and not much more. As for Hichikata, though, he's definitely beneath Thompson. He's 133rd. Hichikata, I know, has had a lot of success in doubles in the past, so I don't want to say that he's more of a doubles player than a singles player, but it does seem like his priorities are kind of either evenly distributed, or he does maybe pivot a bit more to doubles. But he's still a pretty solid grass player, so I'm not going to fully dismiss him. But it is really tough to back him in the spot when Thompson just beat him in this exact same surface uh, in the span of the same month. So I do think Thompson's going to win. The problem that I have, though, is what exactly I want to take, because the first set did go to a tiebreaker, so Thompson was not exactly cruising. The second set, he did uh, break it open, though, and win the second set 6-2. I think I am going to go with Thompson games in this one at minus 2.5, at minus 140. is still a bit undersized. His serve is still not great. Thompson has a pretty good serve, and he also can volley a little bit, uh, but you're looking at just the overall... Uh, size for Hichikata, and he's been impressive with his passing shots, but he's only 5'10". And the concern I have there is that the serve isn't going to be that dominant, and I do think Thompson, once again, can get a lot of serves uh, returned into play, and the longer the rallies go on Hichikata's service game, eventually you'll see the probability increase for Thompson to break through. Now, Thompson is six feet tall, so he's not that much taller, but he does have a better serve, and I feel like that's kind of just a given at this point. Now, Thompson did have... A uh, solid match there against uh, Rayonich in the second round, and Rayonich just came off of a win there, so Thompson looked good. Ended up beating Manorino in three. Manorino is a former champion at this event, so the point is that's definitely a solid performance there. But when you're looking at the pathway for Hichikata, he's looked pretty good too, uh, but he had a three-setter against Husor, which I mentioned before, had a three-setter against McDonald's, where he did lose the first set. I think I am pretty tempted to actually take Thompson first set because going through the matches, Hichikata's been a slow starter. He lost the first set to McDonald's, 7-5. He lost the first set to Husor, 6-2. And even going back further, lost the first set to Brower, 7-6. Lost the first set to Barankis, 6-4. So in each of the last four matches, including qualifying in this tournament in Denbosch, he's actually lost the first set. So I think that might be a pretty sneaky angle there if you want to go with the trend here, fading Hichikata in the first set. He's been a bit of a comeback kid 
in this tournament. So maybe taking Thompson to win the first set with a spread might be worth a look. I do want to see what the odds are for that because that is pretty appealing. If you can find one and a half, at potentially a plus money price, I don't hate it. So I do think, once again, that is definitely worth consideration. But I think Thompson's going to win. I think it'll be competitive early on. But I do think, once again, uh, Hitchikata is just not a good enough server. And Thompson has shown that his game gives Hitchikata problems. And I think because of that, Hitchikata is going to struggle at points in this match, and he will not be able to overcome. Anyway, moving into the last match of the episode, going to look at a matchup between Rusevori and Greekspor. Rusevori is the favorite at around minus 154. Greekspor is around plus 134. As for the game spread, Rusevori minus 2 is minus 109. Greekspor plus 2 is minus 111. Over-unders at 23. The overs at minus 108. The unders at minus 112. For alternative lines, Rusevori minus one game is minus 135. Greekspor plus one game is plus 105. And the over-under alternative is 24 at even money on the over. Under is minus 130. If you want to take Rusevori to win in straight sets, that's available at plus 160. And if you want the three sets, that's available at plus 127. So looking at the actual uh, lines here, my overall takeaway, it does seem to be a bit of an overreaction to what happened yesterday, or I should say on Friday, with uh, Rusevori beating Sinner. I do think that the odds suggest, once again, that Rusevori is on the warpath when he did struggle in his first two matches against Umber and, and Nakashima. So I do think that, once again, Rusevori is a bit overvalued. I understand they're going to pay a bit of a tax, and people are going to overreact to what happened against Sinner. It's an impressive win, don't get me wrong. But the point is, if Rusevori ended up facing off against somebody else not named Sinner, he faced off against, let's say, Manorino, there's no way he's laying 154. I mean, the line's going to be closer to, like, plus, or I was going to say minus 125, maybe? Like, Greekspore is still a good grass player. And I do think, once again, based on where the lines are located, I'm not really going to make a case for Rusevori. He definitely could win, but minus 150 and change, I don't think is actually a good value play. And Greekspore, so far in this event, has looked good. Had a three-setter against Yemmer in the first round, or Emer, however you want to pronounce it. Uh, beat uh, Papyron in straight sets in the second match, and then ended up beating uh, Diminor in the uh, quarters in three sets. The Diminor win, I think, is impressive. Diminor is kind of an underrated grass player, and I do think that it definitely was an impressive win there. But looking at the actual head-to-head between these players, they faced off one time in 2017, and Greekspore won on hard court in straight sets. Means nothing, but I think for the sake of this actual price, I just think it's a little bit too large. I think Greekspore should be closer to the plus 115 range, give or take. I think 134 has a little bit of meat on the bone there. So I am going to lean to Greekspore, but I do think I am going to lean to the over. Greekspore's had a couple of three-set matches, and you're looking at Rusevori, and he's also had a couple of three-set matches. So I do think, once again, uh, when you're looking at how these players match up, I see some ebbs and flows. I could potentially see a tiebreaker in this matchup. So I'm going to link to the over, but I do think, once again, this will be a three-setter. You might see alternating six three-sets to start the match. But the point is, I do think with this match being more of a coin flip than the oddsmakers suggest, I am automatically going to pivot to Greek Spore on the money line just for the actual value. But I will lean to the over, potentially three sets at plus 127. I do think that is a pretty solid price. But that's going to wrap it up for the actual semifinal match breakdowns in Stuttgart and Denbosch. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. But before I actually do that, I'm going to have a quick word from our sponsor. 
This episode is sponsored by EdgeBoost. EdgeBoost is the world's first bet now pay later Visa card. Edge currently offers the $2,500 in betting advances, which can be extremely useful. Imagine what you can do with an increased bankroll. Get down on some of your favorite futures without tying up your bankroll for months. Double down on a favored bet that you like, or even create an awesome middle or even hedge opportunity. EdgeBoost isn't some sleazy loan shark as they charge 0% interest. Do you know of another way you can access more money to place on your favorite bets without paying any interest? EdgeBoost can also also be a part of a responsible gambling plan as you can set up daily, weekly, or even monthly limits all across your betting accounts in one place. Support SGPN and grow your bankroll by going to sportscampodcast.com slash edge to sign up. Sportscampodcast.com slash edge must be 21 years or older to use problem gambling. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're also brought to you by Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs is completely changing the game when it comes to shorts as they don't use a stiff restricting con- uh, cotton like other regular shorts. Instead, they use a cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a waist slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. On top of that, Bird Dogs also uses an anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. And when you do end up ordering your pair of shorts from Bird Dog, you also get a free Getty style tumbler with your order. Go to birddogs.com slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going through the semifinal matches in Stuttgart and in Denbosch. Now it's time for the lock and dog picks. Starting off with the lock for the show, I think I'm just going to go back to one of the last matches we talked about in Denbosch. I'm going to look at the matchup between Hitchikata and Thompson, and I am going to go with Thompson minus the two and a half games at minus 140. Simply put, I think it's pretty telling that Thompson just beat this guy uh, with a five-game spread there about a week ago. And Hitchikata has gone off to some slow starts. He's had a couple of blowouts set 6-2 wise. So I do think, once again, when you're looking at who's the better grass court player, it's Thompson, who's the better returner. I think you can make an argument that Hitchikata could be, but I think Thompson's the better server. It really just comes down to Hitchikata not being a great server. And I do think, once again, with Thompson's ability to come to the net, and once again, with his ability to really give... Hitchikata problems in their careers when they face off against each other. I think two and a half games at minus 140 is definitely worth a look. I thought about the first set minus one and a half games, but it was minus 120. I decided to not take it because the last match they had went to a tiebreaker in the first set, but it does seem like Thompson's overall style has given Hitchikata some problems. Hitchikata was a lucky loser and he made a solid run to get to this point. But the fact is, once again, he's a lucky loser, so he ended up not actually qualifying for the event. He was pretty fortunate after losing to Barankis in the qualifying, but you're looking at who he's faced off against. Beat McDonald in three. I guess it's a pretty good win there. Beat Hussler. Uh, it's a decent win there, too. Beat Brower. Decent win, I guess. But the point is, Hitchikata has played a bunch of three-set matches, and I am concerned about fatigue. Thompson has been winning relatively comfortably. The matchup against Manorino was close, but the third set was a bit of a blowout there at 6-2. But you're looking at these matches here, and Thompson against Rayonich won 6-1 in the second set. Against Manorino won 6-2 in the second set. You have seen some blowout sets with Thompson. And I do think, once again, if you get one blowout set, you might be cooking. Because Hitchikata might not get more than one break in a given set. So if Thompson ends up winning a set 6-2, maybe even 6-1, you're in good shape. But I'll back the guy that's 2-0 lifetime against his opponent. A guy that just beat the same opponent on the same surface about a week ago, and I'll take him minus two and a half games at minus 140. And for my dog on the show, 
I do think I'm going to go back to the her catch and Stroof match. I'm going to go with Stroof at plus 120. Uh, just simply put, I think that the crowd is going to be a real factor in this match. Her catch and Stroof might alternate big serves, and I doubt you're going to get many breaks in this match. But once again, I think Stroof is a good grass court player. He's got net skills. Her catch is... Unforced error tendencies can be a problem at times. Same with Struve, but the point is, I do think that when you're looking at her catch, the movement does leave a lot to be desired. And I do think that when you're looking at two very good servers, and it could be a matchup that could go either way, I'll back the player getting plus money and a guy that is currently in front of his home crowd. I think that's going to help him out. It might be competitive, might go three sets, but there's no value taking the two and a half sets over at plus 110. Instead, I'm going to view this match as a coin flip, as I think it truly is. And I will go with Stroof on the money line at plus 120. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. The lock is going to be on a Thompson, minus two and a half games at minus 140. And the dog will be Stroof money line at plus 120. That's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Tennis Gambling Podcast. We're back once again tomorrow to get into the finals, uh, the final matches in Stuttgart and in Denbush. Find me on Twitter at Rice Show Radio. You can find me on the NBA show, on the MLB show, on the WNBA show, a lot of podcasts, but either way, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.